Welcome one and all throughout time and space for this episode of Weaves on the Weekends, the podcast where we break down the anime news highlights of the week and give a retrospective look at an anime that premiered 10 years ago. Today's episode, we will cover properly the first week of October 2022, after which we will give our thoughts on whether to resurrect or rebury the 2012 anime franchise, Magi, the Labyrinth of Magic. My name is Sam Martinez. I'm a part-time weeb, full-time automobile mechanic, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Jay Johnson, part-time weeb, full-time English language sensei, now sensei. So many things have happened this week. So many things. Like, I've just been seeing the memes going on about how October 2022 is going to be the month of the weeb, how we have basically hard-hitting anime every day of the week. This past week, we've had a very good show on She-Hulk, a very good episode. We, I thought that it was going to be the last episode, but they did a switcheroo on us. Turned out to be the penultimate episode, and I'm excited to see the conclusion of it. I would also have to say I have also uh, taken part in the Kamen Rider series uh, anime. It's It's been great, and I've been loving it. Probably go more into it when we get into our top anime for the year. I've also seen a little bit of Itoki no Shinobi. I think that was one of your animes from last week, wasn't it, Jay? Or no? Yeah, I mentioned that as an honorable mention, because we covered the news about that. But yeah, it's looking interesting. I, I checked out the first episode as well. Yeah, so it's, 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 like you said, it's been very interesting, and I'm uh, intrigued to see where it's going to go. And a real quick, I guess, a uh, bit of a somewhat se- well, no, not 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 a bit of a segue because I I still want to get your thoughts. But um, I was just watching an episode of uh, JoJo uh, Bizarre Adventure, the Stone Ocean part, and there was an episode, uh, well, I guess like two episodes so far, maybe three, where the and where the protagonist run into an antagonist that has a stand power that limits their short-term memory. And throughout the entire episode, it's like an anime version of Memento, and you can definitely see the hallmarks to that. And I figured I'd at least mention that to you, because you being a cinephile, uh, much like yourself, I feel like you uh, would appreciate Memento. And the fact that, um, uh, I think his name is Higarashi. Uh, the writer for JoJo had um, d- done something that was sort of paying homage to it, much like how last uh, week's episode, Psychopaths paid homage to Johnny Mnemonic. Okay, gotcha, yeah. Because I haven't seen any of the Stone Oceans, like with Jolene. I'm very yeah. looking forward to watching all the episodes together. But yeah, Netflix has like kind of separated the two into cores, and they dropped all the episodes, and the second core just dropped, so... Now that everything's available, I'll probably check it out for the first time now. No, oh, that'll be good. It'll be interesting, too, to see or to get your reaction to it, because I think you haven't really, what's the word? You haven't really seen a part from beginning to end, right? The only, you've only been exposed to part four and only the parts with Kira in it. Yeah, I've seen Diamonds and Unbreakable, and I've seen now the first season, um, Phantom Blood. Sorry, Phantom yeah, Blood. Yeah, 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 sorry. So just those two. So yeah, I guess Stone Ocean would be my third technically jojo yeah i i'm I'm going to not watch them in order (laughs) 
everything's fast and free and loose in the House of J when it comes to JoJo. But um, aside from that, uh, how how has your week been? Is there anything of note that you'd like to mention? Because like I said, it seems like October, it, October's got me pretty hyped. Right, because I mean, yeah, you mentioned about all the like memeage about it, but yeah, it's like uh, I think the schedule is like Chainsaw Man's. Oh, sorry, no, we just talked about this, but Bleach is on Monday, Chainsaw Man's on. Tuesday, then I think it goes Mob Psycho, Blue Lock, My Hero Academia, Season 6, um, Spy Family, To Your Eternity, and One Piece is like, every every weeb right now is like, I don't have time to live my life anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because I just have every single day in October is going to be, or at least for the next 12 weeks technically, is going to be packed full of just anime day per day. And that's not even like mentioning some of the other hitters like um, Welcome to Demon School, uh, Irma-kun, and as well as like um, Team Pop Team Epic. I think I've mentioned that last episode, but um, Pop Team Epic came back with their second season. And even some people yeah. that are just finding out about um, cyberpunk edge runners like are just finding out that now. So it's like, yeah, all weebs are busy, so don't bother us. <laughs> Leave a note at the door. Come back later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and oh, one yeah. I guess one thing that did happen to me this week, and I was surprised that you didn't bring this up, but I kind of went into my full new term as a college counselor this week by attending a college fair. So I think you're going to have to change the opening, <laughs> change the opening now, since I'm no longer a full time teacher. I'm a full time college counselor now. So all right, let me go, let me go ahead and do that now. Like, is is, is there like an honorific title for? Because I know Sensei is teacher, but like mm -hmm. counselor. I have to look that up. Hold on. Uh, I think it would translate in the same way since it's just, I guess, the uh, synonym for mentor, sensei. But yeah, Shifu is a little bit more of an instructor. So, Ooh, that sounds pretty good. I'll leave that up to your imagination. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a very interesting way of like going from high school student to college student to post-college life to going to being a high school teacher and then going to be a college counselor because... It feels like I've just kind of ran in a circle for the past ten years. It's like, oh, I'm back in college now. Yeah, I went to I went to high school. Now I'm back in college, and it was really weird being a representative of a school versus visiting a college fair as a attendee. I guess so. I have business cards printed out. I had a little special name tag and all that, and I saw a lot of good um, standing universities from Ivy Ivy League schools, and it was just a whole experience of merchandise and swag bags <laughs> from, from <laughs> universities it's like oh this is weird to be on the receiving end so yeah full-time college counselor ago no no that's awesome I'm, i uh, apologize for not bringing that up earlier because like you said it's sort of a newer uh, position for you and you know congratulations again and one more one more uh point just to poke your brain before we go on to anything further like you said like it's a bit different because now, at at least growing up in most college fairs, right, the call it the power seemed to be very leaning towards the people who are holding the fair, right. But this time, as you mentioned, like it seemed like everybody wanted to come and talk to you. So, what was it like having the power dynamic shift in your favor? Were you mad with power? Did it just make you feel appreciated? What were your thoughts going on when you, you realized that everything was in your favor instead? It's just one of those like realizations of like, oh, I'm in the spotlight now. So it's like <laughs> it's probably like being an anime fan and going to anime conventions 
like for a long time for like years and years and then you become a content creator and then you mm -hmm. go to it and make convention and like then you're on the other side of the rope like getting <laughs> autographs and people coming up to you asking questions so it kind of felt similar to that it's just a position of oh I actually didn't rehearse my line about how I talk about things or <laughs> oh, they had a question like you didn't prepare for or oh there's certain mannerisms that switch up when you have like different cultures like you know uh, had some representatives from Japanese universities that are very proper they came in like full three-piece black suits while some of oh the uh, American universities just came in their school jerseys <laughs> so sweat shirts. <laughs> and I was like oh okay cool there's a diversity of people here so it's like you have to I think the word is code switch you have to code switch between different cultures yeah. as well as a sense of professionalism so I was like oh, okay this is a new experience. So I'm looking forward to my next one, though. I can only imagine it's like as you're going to the American universities, you sort of take your overcoat and you sort of tie it around your waist like uh, they did in uh, the 90s. You know, like when, when they would tie their coats around there. Like, and you're just like, hey, man, it's like, it's cool. You came up in here, but you can't keep wearing, you know, like the um, sorority sweatshirt. You know, and then, like, as you, like, go to talk to the Japanese people, you would, like, untie it and then you put it back on, you know, button it up and be all prim and proper, things like that. I, I no, that's, that's really awesome, man. Again, kudos and congratulations. It's always good when one of us, you know, makes it up a little bit higher in the world and hopefully, you know, see the uh, positive impact that you'll be able to make because you'll definitely have a good influence in uh, what you're doing over there, Bub. Um, do you have anything else to add, or would we like to go on to the news? Yeah, because we have a lot of news to cover, and this is a good, there's some good news as well. Not a lot of news, but also good news as well. <laughs> so, our gentle listeners, time code in the description. We will be going over the news for the first week of October, the 3rd to the 7th, and the first bit of news, and as I mentioned to you before, Jay, as we sort of get into the swing of things, I wasn't going to put this on the news because it seemed to be more of a uh, video game-centric thing. Then I've seen it on some of our other anime news sources, and they hyped up a little bit about it, too. And... As I said before, one of the things that happened this week, there was a lot of things that happened this week, and one of them just happened to be that they had dropped the trailer for the new Super Mario Brothers movie that's supposed to open in America in April on April 17th, 2023. We, I kind of want to hear what your thoughts are on it. Right. So it was a one minute and like very, it was a very short uh, it was a very short trailer, but, you know, just a preview of what Illumination really known for the Minion movies. So, again, that's not really like a giant selling point for the animation studio. But the look of it is very separate from what Illumination usually does. You can't really yeah. see something that they've done in the past that would say that this is Illumination other than it kind of being like this um, bubblegum pop kind of gloss to it. But yeah, it shows case Bowser played or voiced by Jack Black, shows a little bit of voice lines from Chris Pratt as Mario and something from Keegan-Michael Key as Toad. So those are the three characters that you see. And then you also see like the wizard Koopa Kamen, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kamek. Yeah, Kamek. And then also, I forgot that, I think it's King Cole is the penguin uh, ruler of the penguin kingdom. But anyways, yeah, very short trailer. Mm -hmm. 
it has this like very interesting super uh, super mario galaxy vibe to it with mm-hmm. how the whole kingdom of um the cooper kingdom is on a floating fortress essentially and it just drops out of the sky as like a um it kind of reminded me of the island from beast wars um transformers beast oh, wars like yeah floating um citadel kind of fortress and I was very impressed by it because, again, this is supposed to be a somewhat setup to the Super Smash Brothers universe where the next mm-hmm. movie would be Donkey Kong, where kind of introduce um, Donkey Kong as an antagonist to Mario, then to Kirby, then to Link and the Zelda story, and then to a Super Smash Brother uh, cinematic kind of clash movie. So I'm looking forward to this, and this gives me a lot of hope for it as well. And uh, as you said uh, before, when you were talking about the animation, like, and at least like the feel for it, it feels like a proper video game movie. It reminded me a lot of Wreck-It Ralph in that sense where, you know, you would see like the different characters that mainly like with Sonic or the different video games, much like Sonic that made an appearance. And I would say that it also reminds me of the Lego movies in the sense that the Lego movies, it maintained the type of humor that Lego has, that Lego, that the Lego franchise is known for within their own works. In the trailer, it showcased humor that is specific to the Mario games, right? When you see the Penguins forces try to fight the Koopa forces, like that is a very Mario thing. And it was very, it, it was done well and it gives me a bit of a hope. And I would say the like the voice acting for Jack Black and Keegan Michael Key they were very good. I would say the only thing that was a bit jarring for me was Chris Pratt's role, or at least what all we've seen of it. It wasn't very lot as as you said, but like it was just enough to where it's like okay, I recognize that that's Chris Pratt, but it didn't make me seem or didn't make me realize that he was trying to put on an accent and after talking to some several friends it seems like he was trying to do a brooklyn accent because very much like the very first uh mario movie they're hearkening back to the origins of the mario brothers where they were the wrecking crew which is basically some construction crews and some foremans in brooklyn and it seems like they're going from those roots where it's like, oh, you know, he's just a handyman from Brooklyn who happens to uh, jump into the Mushroom Kingdom through a magical pipe. And it will be very interesting, uh, you know, seeing where they go to from there. And uh, from what you're saying, how they're trying to make a Super Smash Brothers universe, I just really hope that Chris Pratt's Brooklyn accent is really solid because... More than likely, he's going to be around for a while, uh, being Mario. But uh, re- before we go on to any other me, uh, any other news, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself there. I was going to ask you, have you seen any of the memes that came from the trailer? Uh, just that um, the one. I don't know if this is the main meme that came out of it, yeah. but that uh, Mario doesn't have a, a butt. <laughs> is that the yes, one? Yes, yes. That, that was like the one thing that was funny. It's like, look at what they had taken. It's like, remember what you have lost. <laughs> I remember I was talking to some of my friends. It's like, yes, Mario's cake has been stolen. <laughs> and it, it's, it's, it's just a bit funny. And uh, it's, it's... I, I guess it's just like one of those things that they've uh, taken away. It's, it's not that that important, but it was just one of those funny things that's, uh, that that was just very interesting. 
on to the next bit of news that we have. And just talking back, harkening back to the uh, list of stuff that's being uh, broadcasted again in October. Uh, as we mentioned before, uh, Bleach is going to uh, premiere on uh, October 10th, uh, 11.30 a.m. EDT. And uh, we had, I think we mentioned this last time too, but it's it was going to be streaming on Disney Plus, but it's from what I have researched or what I've looked into, it's going to be Disney Plus Japan. So for the people in the Americas, if you want to watch Bleach, you would have to watch it via Hulu. I'm trying to see right here. Uh, they also mentioned that Viz will hold a North American premiere at New York Comic Con on October 8th. Oh, that's today. And the premiere would be ahead of the simulcast. So maybe through the weekend, we may hear some reports or some opinion pieces regarding the work before Monday comes around. And Jay, I can't remember how in... I think we talked about it in good depth and how Disney, how it was going to be on Disney. But what what are your thoughts on Bleach only uh, premiering on Disney Plus Japan and not uh, Disney Plus uh, everywhere? Or did you have any thoughts on that? Right, because we mentioned this before, at least like somewhat touched upon it. But it's again the idea of what is going to be the censorship of the bleach series and i think that's what's why why this happened because yeah, yeah domestic broadcast is going to be through hulu and before it was actually very surprisingly it was with 2b tv as well as crunchyroll but that was one of the arrangements mm -hmm. that disney made with or getting the licensing away from crunchyroll is that um, the og series wasn't allowed to be shown on crunchyroll either so with the disney plus in japan for the international broadcast it makes sense if again disney is trying to keep their reputation about how they censor things properly because again thousand year blood war kind of tells you how bloody it's going to get or at least what the rating is going to be so i think it has to do mostly with what they're going to allow for the censorship and does give credit to the idea that there's going to be two kind of different cuts of bleach for now on maybe a censored version non-censored version and then an American mm -hmm. broadcast version, a Japanese broadcast version. So interesting that we're going to have like basically four years of Bleach because again, it's four cores or technically uh, 48 episodes to 50 episodes. So we're going to have it for a very long time. So we'll see what comes about of it. Oh yeah, no. And as I said before, if depending on the popularity with this, maybe we'll get some more works in the future. But it's very exciting to see, and I'm glad I was finally able to find a site because, uh, you know, that will be able to watch it on and support the official release. Because I remember I was looking at it, and I'm like, wait, only Disney Japan was like, I don't have a VPN. How else am I supposed to watch it? But no, it's it's very good. On to another bit of news that's a bit of a throwback. Um, Earlier this week was the 20th anniversary for the Naruto franchise. And in order to honor that, we had gotten a 10-minute highlight reel of reanimated scenes that were hallmarked throughout all of Naruto. And... It was, uh, again, a PV to sort of celebrate Naruto. 
And uh, Jay, did you have any thoughts on it? Um, did you feel like you wanted to go and live your uh, ninja way after watching uh, the 10 minutes of the pla- Blast of the Past? Yeah, so it actually came out with two separate kind of tribute videos. One was the 10 minutes, uh, one second from every one second from every Naruto and Naruto Shippuden episode. And then they also did a re or remastered version of a lot of scenes. So they did the Sasuke Naruto fight. They did like, yeah, but they did a bunch of the remasters of a lot of the iconic scenes. And I just realized watching it, it was like, wow, I have not seen all of Naruto. And <laughs> I just kind of remembering back to the past is that Toonami or however it was at the time kind of cuts the broadcast of Naruto right after the Sasuke rescue art. Oh yeah, the Sasuke retrieval. Yeah, fin- yeah, retrieval finished, and I was like, oh yeah, I haven't seen any of those. Like, I think it's like fifty or like forty, fifty episodes that remain after that, as well as some of the filler episodes. Because even there is like a moment where all of the Jinchurid keys, like the host of the Tail Beast, show up in a like alternate version of history, and I was like. I always thought that was just concept art. I didn't know that was actually <laughs> in the show. And I was like, oh, I'm seeing a lot of things for the first time. So that's like one of the things that really caught got me caught up in like emotions. Like, oh, for how important Naruto is, I haven't really seen all of it. I mean, I would say out of the 770 or like 720 episodes, I've only probably seen a good 400. I haven't even seen all the war um war arc of the last arc of the series i've only seen like the sasuke naruto fight and some of the other big fights but yeah it was just like yeah just i'm realizing how big naruto is and i haven't seen most of it or i haven't seen a good part of it so i might go revisit it but it's 20th anniversary happened on october 3rd so it's like yeah it's probably the proper time to see some things that i haven't but yeah how about you i would say like now that you mention it uh, realizing I've seen most of Naruto, but I haven't seen a lot of Shippuden. I suppose it's mainly because I honestly I didn't see a lot of filler. But even at that time, having to watch a filler just put a bad taste in my mouth. And having to realize that Shippuden had a lot of filler because it was in tandem with the manga at the time. The fact that the uh, Shippuden at the time was known for more filler, I didn't take the time to watch it. So I've seen spurts of it where i didn't see all of the fight with pain i only saw like maybe the last minutes with pain and jiraiya when naruto came onto the scene and even then uh, probably when naruto was training with killer b i like from the parts that i've seen i probably would have really liked that arc or like leading up to it or um and afterwards where he's going to the great shinobi war Again, it was just mainly, I, I didn't feel like having to trudge through all of the fillers just so that I can get to the meat and potatoes. But I remember that, um, at least from this opening, I remember just like in terms of writing, Naruto itself was more solid than Shippuden was. I guess mainly because Shippuden had to deal with the shonen jump problem at the time where it's like oh we need more material you have to pad it out you have to uh lengthen the series that along with it seemed like the writer didn't necessarily know how he was going to end the series too so 
I guess like that's sort of like where my problems with Shippuden comes from. But again, uh, from what I said before, it seems like I need to go back and watch some of the more highlighted parts of the Shippuden series. Um, again, that was with uh, Naruto. So uh, on to another bit of news with uh, some more news about movies. We had gotten some uh, promotional video and some news about a new Black Clover anime film that has been revealed. And the Black Clover film is supposed to be released on March 31st, 2023. And it is supposed to be called Black Clover Sword of the Wizard King. Now, from... I am a little bit uh confused on this one, mainly because I was under the impression that the anime was going to finish and that they were going to finish it with a movie. But reading over this article, it seems like this movie, it may be one of those movies that's not necessarily canon, but be sort of a stopgap until the manga can start up again so that the anime can have some time before they go in and animate the last arc of the series. Um, Jay, do you know any more about this work than I do or um, to, to help uh, try to clear some of this up? Uh, yeah, I read. Uh, it's one of the few mangas that I read on a weekly basis. So okay. how it's what? Yeah, the article was actually a little bit unclear because I think even the previous news stories about the movie was kind of unclear. So how it's basically um, laying itself out is exactly kind of what you just said, Sam. But it's the idea that the manga is in its final uh, arc and how the movie ties into the uh, spade arc. So like Clover, Spade, they're the symbols on the playing cards. I actually don't even know what those are called. Spade. Diamond, heart, um, but those on the playing cards. And then this is the spade arc where it's adjacent to what's going on. So it feels kind of pseudo canon because they're taking a lot of the events of the manga, just kind of reformatting them with some original characters and having kind of a definitive end. Because, again, Black Clover for a new generation shonen wasn't really polling that well as same with its manga and circulation numbers but yeah it seems that this is going to be like an original anime ending versus you know continue on to another season after the manga wraps up but you know again uh the anime industry has been a lot more forgiving i guess nowadays mm -hmm. because you know bleach has come back same thing with fire force after it's kind of abysmal season two season three has finally been approved by david production so it's staying with the same studio but yeah, it seems to be the case that Black Clover is going to have this movie be the end of the anime with a potential it being a stopgap for the rest of a potential future season. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you cleared that up because I wasn't too far off. And from the trailer that we've gotten, as I mentioned, the title is called Sword of the Wizard King. We do see a sword that is prevalent, so I wasn't sure if they were maybe hearkening back to the very first Wizard King and highlighting his sword and how he got it, and maybe we'll run into um, some long lost version of it, or maybe Asta would find some sort of spell that's akin to it in his book, 
and it also see as you said before it seems like it's trying to give somewhat uh not necessarily definitive but an optional end to the story because they talk about you know or they don't talk about it but they refer to you know and asta's uh rivalry and it seems like they're going to try to uh close that off here um in the film as well and you know having a defeat a, a decision on which of the two is going to be the next wizard king it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see the fan reception of it and it's been a while since we've seen a film an anime film like this where it's in tandem with a franchise but it's not necessarily canon i mean we've gotten something like that with my hero where it's pseudo canon but it's not really but i would say like with a anime series as young as black clover we haven't really seen it so it will be interesting to see how the fans are going to receive it do you have a prediction on how the fans re will react to it or not depending uh if you want to go into another news story too because i think that's something that yeah. i can bring about more maybe a transition time but yeah so uh, most recently, Haikyuu has kind of come out to do the same, and the fans hate it. <laughs> Sorry, because <laughs> um, again, Haikyuu matches usually last like for one season is usually one match, so like twenty four episodes, and then there's mm -hmm. from the manga, there's there's two remaining, you know, kind of epic uh, national tournament matches that go on. So that would be technically forty eight episodes or two more seasons, and they're going to squish it down into a two part movie. So a lot yeah. of fans are really hating it, going saying that they're going to be shortchanged of a lot of things. But yeah, like as you said, this could be a definitely a stopgap if a lot of Black Clover fans turn out and kind of push the marketing or the perception of how popular it is. Then they're going to get, they're going to earn, <laughs> they're going to earn another season. But uh, with this being like kind of a half half kind of, um, as you said, like academia kind of crossover it's like yeah they can just put this in the back of like oh yeah that was just a side adventure but uh, here's the real ending of black <laughs> uh, same thing with takagi-san which i don't think you were watching sam but teasing master uh, takagi-san oh, also is yeah. ending with a movie this this season i believe yeah um so yeah it seems to be at least an upward trends of ending animes with movies so we'll see speaking about movies we're going to transition to our last bit of news story here and i can definitely get to me and this story i'm going to have you help me try to clarify things up as well jay because i was a little confused with this as well we had gotten word that kagisaba love is war is is to showcase an anime or an upcoming anime film in japan in this upcoming winter season and we've gotten some promotional visuals for it, where I think it's mainly just a movie poster. And from what this article said, it seems as though the film is going to adapt a uh, the manga's Christmas arc that takes place after the end of the third season. And it's going to be done by A1 Pictures, and it's the uh, TV anime's first... Oh, hold on, I'm sorry. Uh, it's going to be done by uh, the the series has been produced by A1 Pictures, and again, as I said, it's going to be introduced in theaters in Japan in winter 2022. And Jay, my question 
to you in regards to this because it's uh again the title is uh Kaguya-sama Love is War the first kiss won't end. I'm just a little bit confused on that because it makes it seem like Kaguya-sama and uh the the main person that she is infatuated with that they are going to have their first kiss. But from some memes that I've seen recently, it seems as though they have already shared their first kiss. So I'm not entirely sure where this movie is. Or is this supposed to be... Uh, they mentioned that it's going to be adapting an arc. So I'm assuming that this is going to be a canon movie. But is this going to be the end of the series? Or is there going to be more to come afterwards? Right. <clears throat> and that's what uh, like a lot of Kaguya fans... I don't know if I'm a Kaguya fan, but, you know, I've watched all three seasons and seen the OVAs, so I guess. But I'm not a, yeah. I'm not a fan. I've only seen all the stuff they ever produced. Yeah. <laughs> I only have all the manga and potty pillow. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the, uh, it is a ongoing manga series. Like, it has, like, 26 or 22, 26 volumes right now because it started back in 2015 and has won a bunch of awards for, like, the love comedy genre. But yeah, this is just adapting a part of the story, the Christmas arc. So it happens again, like it's been very faithful to the manga because it has enough volumes to be faithfully adapted. So it's just a part of the story. And, you know, it's been going on for since 2019. So there is technically enough popularity with it because it's been nominated almost every single year at the Country World Awards, as well as having an uptick in uh, manga sales every time the anime premieres so it doesn't seem like it's flailing in any sort of way so it does seem to be a situation of this is just going to hold us over until season four and then it's just going to continue on but with the story of kaya it's kind of just one of those not call it generic but it's kind of the predictable love story of high schoolers that we've seen so many times mm -hmm. so if they do end it with this movie i say that's probably a net positive versus just continuing the story on in a very predictable fruit baskets kind of direction. So hopefully it'll be the end, but if it's not, it's understandable that a season four is going to come out in two years. Uh, thank you for that. It's been, uh, as I said, it sort of clear things up again. So it's another words like a, a sort of soft end, I guess is what we could say. Like they can end it there or they can continue it more. But more than likely, as you said, with the fans, they'll probably push for uh, another season for it to come. So, and this will be a great transition from the news to our anime. As I said before, Kaguya-sama Love is War is produced by A1 Pictures. The anime of today's topic is Magi, Mad, uh, The Labyrinth of Magic is also done by studio A1 Pictures. Again, ladies or ladies and gentle listeners, we will be transitioning to our anime. We're now talking about it. If you would like to listen to our full episode again, uh, look us up on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play so that you can listen to our entire uh, episode, get the full Jay and Sam experience. With today's franchise, um, it's it sort of have a special place in my heart because I I can't remember how I got into this. It was either uh, the manga or the anime at first. I remember I was exposed to them 
around the same time, but I ended up uh, reading the manga a little bit more um, uh, during university, and I ended up uh, stopping because of university's life. Jay, what is your exposure to Magi, the Labyrinth of Magic? Uh, well, of course I've heard about it because it's yeah. like one of the... And yeah, it kind of made me realize about how pretentious anime fans are. It's like, yeah, it's like... <laughs> okay, he's trying to sound like a pretentious anime fan. But yeah, it's mm -hmm. like always talking about the big three anime, like Naruto, Bleach, and One Piece. And it's like, yeah, yes. we haven't had a good big three since then. And it's like people talking more recently about Juju Kaisen and Demon Slayer and what would be potentially Black Clover or My Hero Academia. It's like, yeah, there's never been something to replace it. And I was like, throughout the 2010s, there's like good shonen. Like, there's like, oh, yeah, no. Magi is like one of those that kind of snuck by for uh two seasons i believe like the first one was 25 and then next one was 25 but it even got a spinoff season uh series as well yeah the sinbad one and it's like yeah you can't be in the anime community without hearing about magi or at least seeing like all the cool um magic system designs i don't know how they function inside the anime themselves but yeah, like you've seen mm -hmm. sinbad designs like all the character designs in magi are iconic even if you've never seen magi before even like morgana or I think that's how you pronounce her name. Like uh, red hair. Morgiana, yeah. yeah. Yeah, red hair and shackles around her wrist and arm. It's like, yeah, everything in Magi is like familiar if you've never seen it before. But yeah, mm -hmm. uh, this is my first time sitting down to watch an episode, though. So All right, awesome. It'll be good to hear your experience on it and what your thoughts are. Um, you know, having, you know, I guess being coded to recognize it and being able to see in see the characters in action and you'll be able to see tell us like whether or not you think that they deserve to have that uh level of notoriety so to speak to give a brief synopsis on the series uh magi we are basically uh in a world where dungeons appear these dungeons are uh, notorious for people entering and never coming out However, if you do enter a dungeon and you do clear it, the dungeon disappears and a person that is left is usually having large amounts of wealth and may even have some power and influence after the fact. We follow uh, these characters, Alibaba and Aladdin, where Alibaba is working for this merchant, he runs into Aladdin, who is this wandering youth, and Aladdin sort of helps push Alibaba to pursue his goals and his dreams. And we see later on that Alibaba and Aladdin end up going into a dungeon that had appeared in the town that Alibaba was currently residing. That dungeon had been there for the last 10 years. Nobody has been able to clear it. And during their time in the dungeon, we learn that Aladdin is known as something as a Magi, which is alluded to being an advisor to a king or the king. And afterwards, we see both youth sort of uh proclaim that they're going to go on to an adventure and explore more of the worlds of uh, this world where dungeons exist 
in order to explore different kingdoms and to make a kingdom of their own. And we get to see how their friendship develop along the way and the different obstacles and uh, friends that they mate along the way as well. And as we said before, this work is highly influenced by the work known as A Thousand and One Nights in, Ara in Arabia. And uh, again, we have uh, characters like Alibaba and Aladdin, characters from that work, and Morgiana, which I just learned recently, is also a character from that same work as well. And uh, one, one thing that I've also forgotten to mention, too, is like at the end of a dungeon, the boss of the dungeon, quote unquote, so to speak, is a djinn or a genie. And the person that cleared the dungeon gets a wish completed by the djinn and also gets a something special along the way as well. So we get and as we had mentioned before too, other characters such as Sinbad make an appearance that we get to see how they influence the world that they're within as well. So again, the studio is A1 Pictures. The original source was a manga. The genre is action, adventure, fantasy. The It's a shonen manga, as Jay had mentioned earlier. And the rating is surprisingly PG-13. Uh, the places where you can watch this work is Funimation, Hulu, Crunchyroll. I think you can also see it on Netflix. I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, Jay... As I said, I sort of grew up with this uh, franchise. I read the manga in tandem, and I watched a lot of the anime as well. And it's sort of hard for me not to get giddy, again, because it has a special place in my heart. As I had watched the first three episodes, I wanted to keep on going, but I took a step back, and I was like, you know what? Instead of watching this, Maybe I should, you know, instead of continuing watching this, maybe I should watch the other series that's made by the same work, Orient, right? And so I went and I watched the first three episodes of Orient. I have some thoughts on comparing these two works that are very, very strong that I want to save uh, for later on in the series. So I would rather first get your... um thoughts and uh your uh, what your experiences were in this work because you said that you had a lot to say as well we talked about um shinobu otaka before she's the um, manga of both this and orient yeah we talked about it when orient was premiering last year oh orient's also coming back for season two this term this season yes. as well um <laughs> yeah okay sorry i just made the connection um <laughs> yeah so like yeah she has a very interesting ability to write these kind of contained coming to age adventure stories and it's not shonen jump that magi was originally published in it's uh shonen sunday it's kind of like the somewhat competitor not competitor they're in the same family but it's like adjacent to what we know as shonen jump titles and i was like i can see why because it is so odd watching the first three episodes of this and like knowing the prestige that it carries is because it does not do a good job of uh, establishing the world in my, in what I would expect to be a very highly compact fantasy story. And I mm -hmm. kind of know where the story's going because I've kind of seen the training arc that 
um, Aladdin goes through later on. But for like such a beginning character, it's like hard to believe that this would be a shonen protagonist, young boys again the demographic that this would be aimed at would be imagine themselves as because Aladdin is such a he's an odd duck he's an odd duck but I always assumed that Aladdin was like hundreds of years old because he has this Meliodas Meliodas from Seven Deadly Sins compulsion to grope people (laughs) yes like it only happens once or twice in these two episodes but I also seen so many images of it going a lot further <laughs> in ridiculous comedic kind of ways. It, 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 it's it's funny too because whenever he does that, he his body turns into that of like the Shin Chan character, right? Like he physically looks different from everybody else in the world whenever he yeah. does it. So it's like a noticeable thing that's out of place. So like mm-hmm. there's like comedy to it as well. Like Aladdin and um, Alibaba's like they have like this very brotherly like kind of back and forth and bond like right at the start and it's like really endearing but it's like one of those weird things of like i always assumed that he was meliodas's age and not to spoil that if that is a spoiler but like meliodas is like you know thousands of years old so i always assume aladdin was like uh hundreds of years old as well as being a conduit of a genie uh, uh, just to uh tack on that because like that is a mystery that they do open up with that um uh, Aladdin, this is one thing that I didn't mention earlier, was like Aladdin doesn't really know anything about his past. He has this sort of amnesia type thing. And one of the characters, one of the djinn that we run into, mentioned something along the lines of him being like a reincarnation of Solomon. So this work also plays a little bit into the lore that the djinn have along with Solomon. I'm not too familiar with that uh, sort of lore i know that there was a lot of uh mystery and things along with that with like the actual person of solomon and how he might have had mystical beings as jinn working underneath him so but you know they do touch on that so like you said like that feeling of uh, aladdin being a lot older than what he actually is that is a very good um cue that you picked up there um, that was uh, also represented in Meliodas. Right, because there's a lot of like underlying things. I think I think that's mm-hmm. why, again, it's not really a Shonen Jump title is because a lot of that stuff is so like nuanced. And like it's weird that um, a, like an Arabian story is being adapted in this way. We talked earlier this year about another Arabian story, but I can't remember. Oh, I think it was supposed to be a movie. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be a movie because it, it was a joint venture with like an actual company in Saudi Arabia as well. Right, exactly. So like with the small things like the dungeons and again, I kind of cheated because I went beyond the three episodes because I was kind of mm. really curious and not to say that it's a judgment call about the three episodes and the past or failed, but it is interesting that this is another dual story of like dual protagonists is that mm-hmm. uh, Alibaba is actually given like the more main role than you think like the magical wielder guy is like <laughs> you get his story flushed out of being a slave and but like having good heart but getting so desensitized kind of to the violence going o- around him and like finally standing up for himself and like doing the sacrificial play and Aladdin coming in to swipe down or save him at the last minute to kind of just prove that, yeah, you have a good heart. You just kind of need the power to 
pursue your ideals. And I think that's like mm-hmm. a very touching shonen kind of lesson to sell in these first three episodes. So I guess I'm talking myself back into liking it, but it, I was more feeling like one, like people underestimate how good Magi is because of the first three episodes. It's like, it doesn't really pull you into the world that I guess intimately because you have like the gin showings. Well, you have one of the gins showing up. Um, uh, how he manifests too. Yeah, yeah, but like yeah. the manifestation of one, because a lot of even like his gin, um, Alliance gin is like somewhat of a mystery as well. But yeah, we can talk more about that. But there's so much to talk about again, so I'm kind of glossing over a bit. But it's definitely a vibe. These first three episodes. So I would, I would like to pick your brain on why you don't think the world was fleshed out a little bit, or at least like how or at least why you think that there, there was an issue with them introducing um the world of mod right because i think it's one of those things that we talk about a lot is that the three mm-hmm. episode rule only really works with 12 episode seasons and yeah. the first season of magi was planned out to be 24 episodes so when you watch beyond the first three episodes you see that there's a villain character introduced there's uh sinbad shows up like you mentioned in the opening, it's like a lot beyond the three episodes. So if you do it a three, if you do a six episode test, I think it does do what a three episode test should do, but yeah. it doesn't really establish. I mean, it doesn't even really, really talk about the magic system, which I'm assuming that's like one of those intricate things that they'll, they were not going to top load the story with. They're kind of selling you on the characters first and then serving the magical elements of it in later on because magic is a very scarce resource as it seems and it's something mm-hmm. that people still think is like mysticism to it or at least in the class of the higher arc of the society. So like there's a lot of subtle writing to it but it doesn't feel like a shonen way of presenting it. I think that's what I was trying to get at. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, knowing what I know and like going back in watching the first three episodes, I realized like there is a lot of foreshadowing and I, I sort of wanted to take this time to compare it to Orient as well because Orient, they do the dual um, lead as well and the story is a little bit different whereas in Orient, it's very much a Japanese story Whereas uh, Magi, it's more, it's, again, like it has like that more Arabian Nights sort of feel to it. I remember like after watching Orient, I didn't feel the same way that I did about Magi. And it's not because of a nostalgia type thing, right? After the, like the first three episodes, I was just sort of trying to think and reflect on why that is. As I mentioned earlier, there were some mystery boxes that were presented in uh, the first three episodes of Magi. So you learn um, that Aladdin may be the reincarnation of Solomon. You don't know necessarily why. You learn of something as, uh, you know, learn about the title of Magi. You don't really know what that means. There's probably some uh, more machinations that's there. You have uh, Morgiana's character, which is a race of superhuman and they can basically uh, kick people through walls. They can step into walls so they can run up walls. And yet she was a she, she's in the servant class, even though she is physically superior. It's like, how did that happen? That sort of thing. You also are introduced with a mystery box with Alibaba. 
he even though he is a servant he's come he comes across as a lowborn he has all of this knowledge of royalty he knows how to read he knows how to read other languages he knows proper fencing techniques you don't really like again like you have like these different mystery boxes whereas with uh orient uh the nuts and bolts of orient is uh a land that's similar to japan they're overtaken by these monsters that are essentially to uh that they're essentially considered oni and they are uh sort of brainwashed the population to think that the oni are good and they are forced into labor camps and the main characters that we run into one is the family of uh, like was uh in the was the family of a minor and the other one is a family that was born into a family of warriors that had fought back against the uh the kishin or the, the oni the thing is like we learned that the the people who were in line of the warriors who fought back they're essentially treated lower than uh than dirt things like that they were um discriminated against and the person that was a minor he wants to be one of the people that fought back that's known as a bushi but he can't push himself to vocalize that in front of people just because he's afraid of what others think. It's very clear-cut. There's no real mystery that's given, um, very much like any other shonen show that we see. Uh, both have been training in secret for so many years, and they're given the opportunity to kill actual Oni and, you know, pull the uh, wool off the people's eyes. It's like, hey, we're actually being ruled. Uh, I would say that there is also uh, some things that you see in the two main characters. They sort of push each other in order to better each themselves. Whereas like one's able to push the other to solidify his convictions and actually live out to be a Bushi, a warrior. And the other one, uh, the one that comes from the line of the warriors, he learns to accept his past. And it's very similar to what we see in Magi, where Aladdin sort of pushes Alibaba to do what he wants to do. He, but Alibaba thinks himself as a coward, but Aladdin reaffirms him as like, no, you're not a coward. Whenever your ideals were made fun of, you laughed it off. Whenever other people's lives were in danger, you went out and you did what was necessary, right? So you get that same sort of uh, bromance or that healthy friendship where you know they push each they push each other in the right direction however in orient again there, there's no real mystery boxes or there's no real gravitation to me to explore the world it's sort of like oh here are the rules that are laid out here are the things that are happening but there's not enough questions that pull me into it not like with magi and very much like in both works they do foreshadow or lay down groundwork for stuff that's going to happen so like for instance where we see aladdin use that spell on morgiana to sort of put her in place you know the one that was that looks sort of like a gravity spell almost so like with that one as you said like uh aladdin gets into a training arc where he learns how to use magic and that spell, it turns out to be one of the very basic spells. 
and we get to see more of the magic system. And I guess that's why I sort of like it too, because like they treat the magic a little bit harder than most people do. Like you see uh, the consequences of having to use magic. Aladdin gets tired. He can't use it 24-7. There's obviously a drawback to it. And there are consequences that are being shown when he uses up too much magic to, uh, yeah, so much magic so quickly. And not only that, but you also get a good parallel of what the people in power are of that uh, society where I think it's uh, Lord Jamil, I believe is his name, where we see somebody who's basically the lord of the town and how he treats the people that are his servants or his slaves. And so you get more sympathetic towards Alibaba and you because what we see Alibaba do for others and you sort of push for him to want to become uh a better in his or not not to not be better but you want to push him to his goals so that he can be a proper ruler and they also mentioned Sandria but I'm I'm starting to digress and I realize I'm on a soapbox now but um just sort again, just sort of uh, comparing those two, because as you said, Magi was done. Uh, like Magi is a good quality anime that sort of went underneath the radar, and the manga for Magi has completed. Essentially, there is a third last, a, a last third of the series that can be done, but they haven't done it yet. So, like they've done the first two parts, which is. Magi, the magic of labyrinth, uh, the labyrinth of the magic, and then Magi, the magic kingdom. There's also that spinoff series that was Sinbad, but they did not animate like that last third. And the last third has been done, I believe, since 2017. And I sort of wanted to get your thoughts on that. Why do you think that they had not finished the finished animating the series? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, for what I remember, it was definitely around 2018, I believe mm -hmm. that was when it premiered. Did you mention that, 2018? No, I did not. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I think that's an important date because of what A1 Picture was doing around the time. I think they were transitioning into like this new wave of technology, and I think it got caught up in one of those paradigm shifts of the company, like with its leadership, mm -hmm. is that... One is a prequel story for a story that has already wrapped. So again, it's like telling a story essentially out of order. It's like what more can be done around it. So again, it's like it has a very short fuse. And with how A1 Pictures like does their productions, they're very high value and high cost. So it's like probably interest reigned in the property given that there was already a definitive ending. So it's like going back and telling the before story when there was nothing going forward so there was no real good push from a marketing standpoint oh so, no no like there was there was more to this uh to the story like it picks up literally after labyrinth of magic they just like and it like there, there's a definitive ending in the series um I, I think the only prequel stuff is probably sinbad no that's what i mean it's like sinbad yeah. only ran for like <clears throat> not even 20 volumes as i recall it only had like a couple of years of um, publication, yeah. but that's what I mean. So like the second season is called kingdom of magic. And, you know, again, that's exploring, uh, again, the, how big the world is. Yeah. How big it is. Cause again, you can, you know, I wouldn't want to spoil anything, 
but yeah, I think there was a limited fuse to what Magi could have been tapped into. So I think mm-hmm. it was just maybe too many familiar beats or a one picture oh, again. I think it was just a switching of what they wanted to be under their catalog at the time. Oh my goodness, because it's just like again, just comparing Mog and Orient, uh, it's night and day. I mean, Orient it's done very well, but with a one pictures, as you said, it's high quality. It's so smooth. The action and like the the sword fight with um Jaleel and Alibaba, it's not the most fancy thing, but it's done very, very well. And it's just like, this is the type of action fluidity that I am here for. And it, and when they did some of the CGI, I'm trying to think, there was one scene where I noticed that there was CGI that was used, but it wasn't completely jarring. Like, it was a little dated, but it was still done fairly well. And again, as, as you said, just like, uh, a testament to the high quality or the high caliber that A1 Picture does. Going, at least like seeing uh, the studio that did Orient ACGT, they're the ones that did Freezing. There are some scenes that were done fairly well, but for the most part, it was just meh compared to what I've seen with Magi. So I'm not going to lie, I'm a little butthurt that <laughs> the rest of Magi did not get um animated but again before i dress digress even further and uh uh promote magi any further uh did you have uh before giving your thoughts on whether it passed the three episode test and uh the good old question resurrect or rebury do you have any other thoughts or comments that you wanted to share uh regarding magi before we um, start answering those final questions. I'm glad you brought up the comparison between um, Orient and this, because again, what I mentioned earlier about Shinobu's work is that she does the coming to age story pretty well. And I think what she was definitely trying to do with the second, because she only has about three publications, this Magi and something else. But yeah, like she was probably tending towards more of a straightforward story, like less complex. Cause I think that's yeah. what's, makes it the superior version, which you talked about in great detail about uh, the writing portions of it, because Orient came out in Shonen Jump magazine. No, Shonen Weekly magazine, which again is not Jump, but it's the close enough equivalent to it. So again, keeping with like getting closer to the maybe ideal version of a Shonen title is like simplifying it, making the characters like one node or two dimensional or something that can be easily follow through again the arabian setting is probably um what kind of put magi in its place and i think that's probably again what kind of limited the storytelling especially with japanese audiences because like if you look at a1 pictures what came out around the time magi ended was sword art online allization so you can obviously see what kind of took up their you know their not budget but took up their kind of um, production mentality for what kind of action that they wanted to central on same thing with kaguya sama that we just talked about starting in 2019 so that's where a1 pitcher shifted to but yeah it's a very interesting case of i think magi just caught caught up in the tide of the like shonen turnover because mm-hmm. that was like the third or second season of my hero academia and when you consider that against magi they're just two diversely different stories uh, so I think it's just that Magi was caught up in a time where it should have ended earlier or even started earlier. But 
Yeah. Um, I'm kind of giving it, I'm kind of on the, I'm usually not on defense like sometimes you yeah. are, Sam, but mm-hmm. um, it sounds like you're going to resurrect it. And I'm going to say just on the basis of just the three episodes, I can't really give it a pass because so much of a well-told shonen story that mm. it's competing with like some of the greats, but because it's competing with the greats, like committing 50 episodes as a recommendation to someone with <laughs> everything that we listed out that we're going to be watching this season, I can't really say that I would recommend it. If there was a lot of downtime that someone had, I would say, Oh yeah, check out Magi. It's a really decent, it's a really decent show. Did. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> Other than that, I'm going to have to say it can it can stay reburied because I wasn't getting too much of the magic system in the first three episodes. I wasn't given too much of a cultural um, touchstone with it as well to say like, oh, this is an Arabian story to feel like that historic weight of it being a necessary story to tell. And the characters were endearing enough, but not technically memorable outside of their character design. So I'm going to rebury it. Ah, that hurts my heart. It hurts so bad. So, just to recap, like, did it pass three episode tests, or did did it fail that too? Because I know you said you're not not resurrecting it, but you you said that if it was like for six episodes, you'd probably pass it. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I think that's okay. it because yeah, if I watch the six episodes, which I did go to the six episode, yes. so um, the six episodes did pass because again, it introduces Sinbad and the villain quote-unquote villain as well as expands on a lot of things that the three episodes were missing out on so yeah three episode fail six episode pass and like now now that you're thinking about it or now now that you had mentioned it it is i would say that with magi magi is sort of the in-between shonens whereas like typical shonens like or like uh typical shonens that people would suggest for people to watch uh would be something that's short say like soul eater or full metal alchemist where the episodes they're not more than 50 maybe 24 a little bit uh more than that or you know like going along and where it's like i i consider them short but like to say the average uh person or somebody that's more casual that would be considered longer whereas magi it's a little bit longer than that they are probably if including sinbad if you want to go and watch sinbad as well it's probably reaching up to 70 so I would say that that's probably like the jump off point before you would try to go to some of the more gargantuan franchises like Hunter Hunter or One Piece. It's sort of like, I would say like that's sort of a litmus test on whether or not you can hang on for some of those longer franchises. Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm trying not to, but the, the nostalgia of the characters and how well they're written, because what the Arthur does with Alibaba, Morgiana, and Sinbad. Oh my goodness. Sinbad is so freaking cool, man. And he I, I think you might have mentioned it before, but he, he's just one of those cool people that's just cool without trying to be cool. And he has it's like he, he he's a good person too, but he also has that sort of real world sense. I'm I'm sorry, I'm just gushing right now. But it's just like I really like this, uh, the story and what they do with the characters. For me, it passes the three episodes, I guess, mainly because, like, as I said before, I-, I saw some foreshadowing to what they try to allude to or try to tap onto, like, later on in the series. 
um, like even at the th- end of the third episode, it sort of forces you to explore the world because you think that Alibaba and Aladdin and Morgiana, like after they leave the dungeon, that they would be in the same place, but everybody's all spread out, right? So you to, like to keep watching and to see them come together, like all three characters, to see where their stories converge again. Like you have to, it, like it sort of pushes you to keep going that way. Now, now, now I'm a bit on the fence too because it is a little bit longer than normal. Um, so it's not maybe not necessarily good, but I would say like it's just I I would still resurrect it because I think it, like it's just casual enough to where, as you said, you know you can watch it leisurely, you know you you have a good amount of time, you have a good amount of episodes, but the story itself as you said like as you keep watching it does sort of compel you to keep going as it passes the six episode test so i would say that i would resurrect magi and (laughs) it it, it was bound to happen that we would have a a resurrect and a rebury but still all in all i'm glad that you were at least able to enjoy your exposure to magi and so, like, one quick question. No, no, no. I, I think you answered this before. You said that you think that uh, the characters don't deserve the notoriety, that um, they mainly get that just because of their um, iconic, uh, or at least, like, their unique-looking character designs, correct? Oh, no. I was just saying oh, in okay. the terms of the first yeah. three episodes, it's, like, a very... Oh, just three episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's, like, a very interesting way to introduce characters, because, again, it's, like, mm-hmm. subtlety in the writing that you're, like, curious about things, but, again, it's not, mm-hmm. like, a bold statement of who they are because they're kids. <laughs> so it's, like, <laughs> they have room to grow, and, again, that's part of the part of revisiting things after 10 years it's like you're older as a viewer so you're like well kids you should know what you want or you know you want to tell an <laughs> older story eventually but yeah it's just a thing of uh viewing it from like you saw it when it was premiering and then i'm seeing it now for the first time so mm-hmm. i think that's the main distinction between our two point of views i, I know like i said sometimes I, I was putting on the nostalgia glasses I, I did my best to take them off that was our, do you have any other uh, final thoughts or comments uh, before we wrap things up, Jay? No, it's good. I'm going to go watch <laughs> I didn't recommend it, but I'm going to go watch it. <laughs> awesome. So, that was our thoughts on the anime franchise Magi, the Labyrinth of Magic. And join us for next episode as... We ride alongside some cute girls doing cute girl things in wartime as we watch the anime Girls und Panzer. Now, Jay, that's all that I have. What have you got for us today? All right. So you mentioned it earlier about Alibaba and it's coming from the uh, 1001 Arabian Nights story. So I thought I would read the original lyrics from Arabian Nights from the Aladdin movie by Disney. Originally, the lyrics were changed after protests by uh, Arab Americans that felt that the lyrics from the original song was painting um, the Arabian culture as barbaric because they used the word barbaric in the song. Um, so I wanted to just read the original verse to see how you feel about the original wording to the Disney <laughs> opening. Okay. All right. So it opens up with, and I will try not to sing it. Oh, come from a land from a faraway place where the caravan camels roam. 
where they cut off your ear if they don't like your face, its barbaric behay its home. Where the winds from the east and the sun from the west, the sands and the glass is right. Come on down, stop on by, hop on a carpet, and fly to another Arabian night. 